It's time again for your Portland Morning Brew. Casual conversations with business, city, and community leaders and influencers. Get to know your neighbors. News, views, and events all centered around our community. Now, here's your host, Troy Holden. And welcome back to this morning's Portland Morning Brew. This is our local Chamber of Commerce podcast where we cover Sumner County people and events, things going on in the county. Today, we're very happy to have someone with us from Sumner County Schools. It's our superintendent, Scott Langford. Scott, welcome. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're really excited about this because we're always wanting to find out what's going on with the, the schools and everything. Let me kind of circle back uh, to some of your Sumner County history from 2011 to 2014. You were the assistant principal at White House and then moved up in 2014 to 2018 to the principal's position. Uh, looks like you picked up your bachelor's degree at MTSU, go Raiders, uh, <laughs> a master's in teaching at Emory, and then a master's in theological study at Trevecca. And you are currently working on your doctorate at Lipscomb. Is that correct? I'm actually done with my doctorate. Are you? I, I finished Are you? it. Well, uh, congratulations. Finished it last, last December. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, congratulations. See, sometimes we get old information, but that's good to know. <laughs> but a lot of local schools in there, man, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I attended MTSU back in 1981-82, and uh, mm -hmm. then I drifted off into a family business after that and never looked back and just kept working. And um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, it led to to doing this. So. That's great. It's kind of my semi-retirement gig, I guess. So, Scott, tell us a little bit about you even further back than that. Are you a, uh, a resident of the area, or I may have picked up on something. You might have been in the Georgia area. Uh, a little bit of both. I grew up here. I'm actually a third-generation Sumner County teacher. My my daughter is a fourth-generation. So we, we grew up. My my uh, parents uh, went to Gallatin. My, my mom, excuse me. My mom graduated from Hendersonville. My dad graduated from Gallatin. Uh, I went to White House, and so uh, my daughters both graduated from White House. So a lot of connections here. And then uh, I was in the I was in the Army for uh, three years, and then um, did did three years of school there at West Point, and then uh, suffered a major back injury. So that's when I transferred to MTSU. Got married, and then we moved to Georgia. I was in a PhD program at Emory for a while, and then I switched to education. And so I taught I taught four years in Forest Park, Georgia, just south of the airport in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I lived in the Shambly Dorville area, just mm -hmm. north of Atlanta for a while when I was a kid. It was a great place to grow yeah. up. Um, played Little League baseball down there and mm -hmm. actually started off with T-ball, went all the way up to 11-year-old yeah. Little League. Then we moved back to Tennessee, back mm -hmm. home to Murfreesboro and and uh, did my teen years there. And then somewhere mm -hmm. around 2000, I moved to Sumner County and have mm -hmm. not looked back. I love it up here. It's a great it's area. A, it's a great county. So tell us about the uh, coming into the superintendent's role mm -hmm. uh, when you came into it. Tell us a little bit about the challenges and the changes going from being an administrator over a school mm -hmm. into a superintendent's role. Yeah. So I, I was fortunate after I left White House High School as principal in 2018, and then I was um, director of instruction and chief academic officer for f uh, five years, which was helpful because I don't really think you could make the jump straight from running one school to running 52. It's a, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's a different skill set. You know, uh, when you, when you run one, it's um, you, you're rewarded for making fast decisions. 
uh, when you make it for 52, if you make a bad call, it takes three weeks to undo that decision. So you have to learn to be patient and really think through. Uh, but, you know, be, being a principal, being on the ground uh, lets you really see what's going on in the classroom. And I've tried to maintain that as I've moved into into this current role is uh, trying to keep in touch with what uh, what our students are, are learning and doing and what our teachers and principals need. Great, great. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, I know I went from running uh, a, a single department in a manufacturing facility up to being over about four global facilities at one time. And and even mm-hmm. something as small as that, four facilities is a challenge mm-hmm. um, because of the, well, I guess a little different with the schools. The cultures probably are slightly different, maybe in some, some of the schools mm-hmm. as to others. But uh, we had, you know, we had locations in California and Mexico mm-hmm. and Japan, and you had to learn all those different cultures, and that could be re- really be a challenge. But 52 schools, that's amazing. Yeah, it's um, – One of the things I've noticed over the years in growing up myself, uh, I have some older children who are in their upper 30s, and I had a younger son who graduated from White House a couple of years ago, actually, the differences in the school calendar now compared to 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I noticed this week, I picked my wife up Monday morning. She works at the um, uh, TriStar here in Portland. And I picked mm-hmm. her up after night shift on Monday, and I noticed the schools were closed already. Um, mm-hmm. When we went to school, we got out for Thursday and Friday. So I know things have changed to help families. Is that a big part of what you guys look at, how the calendar impacts the, you know, their, their family life? Yeah, I think so. You know, you try to do do calendar in such a way. I mean, one, you know, like when I was in school here, you had to build the school calendar around the tobacco crop. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, the northern part of the county was going to be absent during tobacco season. So we started a lot later. We're not we're not tied to I mean, we still have a lot of farming that takes place in Sumner County, but we're not we're not tied to that like we were, say, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other thing is, you know, when we looked at absentee statistics, Sumner County has also become we have people moving here from all over the country and world. And so when a week like Thanksgiving rolls around, if you're just out a half day on Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday, people are going to take off early because they're going to Michigan or California or things like that. Right. So we had a lot of absenteeism and it's just a, it's a, it's a great natural time for a break. And once we added that week off for Thanksgiving, I think everybody has, uh, has appreciated it. It, it honestly, mm-hmm. um, it comes right at the start of flu season. Of course, during the pandemic, it came at the perfect time because it, it clears the buildings out, gets everybody away from each other for a little bit and lets all that kind of. So it's it's had a lot right. of unintended uh, benefits. But the main thing is, it's just it, it's a great way to help our families, especially those that are traveling. Because, you know, if you spend yeah. two days cooking for Thanksgiving, you're you're more tired at the end uh, than 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 you were at the start. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, when we lived in the Atlanta area, uh, we would always come back to Middle Tennessee for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I can remember the chaos of just trying to get everywhere because, like you said, and and our parents did that. They took us out of school early on Wednesday or or we wouldn't Mm -hmm. go on Wednesday so we could travel. And, uh, yeah, you'd miss a day. And, you know, back then missing a day was not a good thing. Uh, it was, it was (laughs) a little harder to go back and get caught back up. Um, it, Mm -hmm. it has really changed. Um, tell us about some of the, you know, not, not the big things, but the small things, Mm -hmm. some of the small challenges that, that you face every day, you know, you go in, there's things Mm -hmm. going on, maybe something's happened at one school or the other. Uh, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have staff set up to handle so many things, hopefully at the school level as much as possible, but what, what is a day in the life like for you when you walk into Mm -hmm. work? 
that that's probably the biggest transition because I was always as a principal and then as chief academic officer, I was always right in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're right in the sense now I've got a lot of uh, hard chargers, great people that work for me. And so I spend, I, I think I do two things now that's a little different. Um, I don't make as many immediate decisions, probably the least number of immediate decisions that I've made in my professional life uh, because I got to empower my team to to do that. Cause you know, I mean, mm -hmm. we all know that the closer, the closer we make decisions to the ground, usually it's best for it's best for the kids, best for the teachers. So I right. try to empower, I try to empower my team to do that. But that means I got to spend uh, my time doing two things. Like one is alignment, making sure everything's moving at the same time. I mean, you know, like our buses do the equivalent of three round trips to Los Angeles every day. Uh, the, the scope of it is unbelievable. And so um, trying to keep all, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to keep everything aligned. And that means, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time on text coordinating with my team. But then I think the other thing is, is it, it frees me up to go around and meet and talk and coordinate and communicate with uh, all the different areas. Sumner County is a great County. And one of the best things I've gotten to do is I've spoken to almost every Rotary Club, every Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it's great to get out and feature and sell, for lack of a better word, the great things that are going on in Sumner County Schools. So that's mm -hmm. probably the biggest change in what I do now is I spend a lot more time speaking out to the community to share what we're doing and then also making sure everything's continuing to move. Uh, that, that's probably the biggest shift in what I do now. Right, right. Okay. Um, another question that I have is – related to, uh, I know at one time there were, uh, in high school, there were paths. You were taking an academic mm -hmm. path, a technical path. I know TCAT has ramped back up over the last few mm -hmm. years. Are we seeing a, a change or an increase in more students, less students wanting to lean toward a technical path, or are we seeing about the same thing? And my, I guess my curiosity comes from um, the fact that, yeah, college may not be for everyone. And yes, mm -hmm. you can make yeah. a good living as an AC technician or a plumber. Mm -hmm. So what do you mm -hmm. guys see now in the trend with the kids? Yeah, I think there's um, two trends going on simultaneously. One is among people like, like us in 50s and 60s that grew up mostly the children of farmers who were told over and over, you're going to go to college. The number one thing you need to do is go to college. Uh, I was told that from the day I was born. I don't know what you're going to do in life, but you're going to go to college. Now we're at a point where culturally that still sits with grandparents and parents, but really um, there are so many options on the table for kids that college truly isn't for everyone. Um, you know, like uh, for instance, Rogers Group has 16 jobs operating heavy machinery that they can't find anybody for. Anybody that can get certified to operate heavy machinery will walk into a $40, $45 an hour job at you know, 19, 20 years old with benefits, with a great company. So trying to, uh, the thing that we've begun to focus on, our CTE, Career Technical Education team, is really the, the best in the state. We have uh, 32 career pathways for kids to choose from around the county. And so I, I think what we've discerned now is we put all the infrastructure in place to help kids make choices. Because what we're doing is it's it's not so much the college or career path, it's the college and career What's the right place for you? So you'll see on our career path, health science may run from everything from a tech all the way to doctor, and we want kids to be on that track. So they, and then we work to get them in the right courses. Mm -hmm. We hired one of the, one of the things we're really excited about is because I think that parents and students are overwhelmed in information. You know, when at least when I was in high school, my college and career choices were limited to the catalog stack outside my guidance counselor's office. There was no internet. You know, I looked at old school right. paper catalogs. Now right. kids have so many opportunities. I think it's overwhelming for parents and kids. So what we've done is we've added a, a career coach 
at each high school. And that career coach is going to work with kids to try to do two things, not ask what school you're going to go to, but ask like, what are you passionate about and what are you good at? Mm -hmm. And then find a career path that hits kids interests, but also their skill set and blend those two together at at Portland uh, high school. We're very blessed to have Leanne Utley as our career coach. And so, you know, Leanne knows everybody in Portland and family deeply connected, but being able to make those connections so kids can get out and, do mm-hmm. some job shadowing or internships or things like that to really get a taste of what they want to do. Otherwise, you know, you can't limit your career choice to something you see on a PowerPoint or a TikTok video. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. My, how, my, how things have changed. I, I remember, <laughs> as you said, you know, you, you got a few letters in the mail if you were lucky and places to go visit. Mm-hmm. There was no internet, no way to see things like that. It was really, really has changed. And these kids, um, they have picked up on all of it so quickly. And as adults, mm-hmm. I think we grew up there and we had to also pick up on it quickly and, and learn mm-hmm. it and be a part of it. I look at my mother who's up in her eighties, who is like, I do not want a smartphone. I keep my flip phone. I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything to do with it. Yet she is very impressed with the fact I can show her her bank balance on my phone and, you know, here's <laughs> here's what's going on with your. And she says, I would love to have that, but I just don't want to deal with it. And, uh, and I can understand it. Times have mm-hmm. changed. Um, tell us some things. You might have had some things in mind you wanted to bring up as we mm-hmm. were talking. So let me kind of throw that to you. If you had some mm-hmm. things you want to tell us about goings on or activities or or just information about what's going on with Sumner County. Yeah, I think two things. One, of course, you know, we went uh, we went one-to-one with iPads for grades 6 through 12. And so we're in the midst of a pretty massive shift. One, it levels the playing field. So every kid has the exact same device. So it doesn't matter where you come from or where you're going. You have the same device. The bigger shift for us is trying to, you know, devices are nice. But at the end of the day, what we don't want it to become is just a testing device or a distractor or a babysitter. We want to get, you know, kids, well, if you're around teenagers now, they can pull it up, put on a full-scale production with an iPad. Uh, if you give them an hour, they can make five TikTok videos and, and share it to the world. Right. We're trying to we're trying to harness that creativity. You know, like we know um, in the advent of AI and the way that the world is changing so rapidly, we're preparing kids for jobs that don't even exist yet. So, you know, but the, but the thing is, it, it makes the skills that have always been important even more important. Can you work together in a group? Can you fail, get up, dust yourself off and, and identify what went wrong and fix it? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to we've got to really harness and focus on those skills. Uh, they used to be called soft skills, but now they're vital to right. the workforce. And so we're trying to figure out, like, how do we take kids bent towards creativity, use the iPads to help them begin to collaborate with each other, to ask mm-hmm. questions, to solve problems, things like that. That That's the uh, that's that's the big thing. Uh, grade six through 12. The other big question that we're asking is, is. Um, starting, you know, even before um, even before kids come to us in school, how do we get them prepared for school? You know, if you think about it, uh, you have training and everything for everything in life except being a parent. Uh, you right. just handed a baby and said, "Have at it." Um, right. You, you know, we're seeing post pandemic. We see a huge increase in the isolation of kids affecting their mental health and their behavior. And so we're stepping back, and we're gonna, we're actually in the midst of uh, putting together some stuff because I think parents really are desperate for support and resources on what to do. Like, I mean, some mm-hmm. of the questions are simple. Like if, if your child can't play in a group for over 15 minutes uh, without getting upset, then here are some things you can do to help that. Because the most important things come into kindergarten. Can you work in a group? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you handle, can you handle failure or adversity? 
some different things like that. And so, but I think the thing is, is we're going to work hard. Uh, we're actually uh, in January, we're going to uh, launch something called uh, Sumner 2030. We're going to try to get stakeholders and community members from around the county together and us just talk about like, you know, what do we need to see in the workforce and then backwards plan all the way to about the age of three so we can create touch points for parents to know like, hey, if you're seeing this, your child is good. If you're seeing this, here's some things we need to work on uh, because mm-hmm. these skills are vital. You know, there's a huge study of uh, an economist did that said that uh, the, the biggest determiner of someone's earning potential is what did they do in kindergarten? Wow. Uh, did they learn how to not not could they read and write, but could they work in a group? Right. Could Social, they, uh, could socially. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this was like a. 11,000 student cohort over 30 years. So it's pretty impressive what they found. Very interesting. Very interesting. A lot of truth there. Uh, Good to hear all that. And really, I'm impressed that you guys are doing what you're doing. I mean, I think so many people forget about that. Well, they just go to school to learn. And no, it's not Mm -hmm. just the learning. It's not just, you know, the reading and writing. Okay, so now I get my two fun questions. All All right. right. This is a, this is probably the number one that everybody wants to know. How in the heck do you make the decision to close schools when it snows? How many people? How much feedback? How does that yeah. work? I, I don't know. I've never done it before. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I'll tell you, I stopped at uh, I stopped at Taco Bell the other night after board meetings about ten o'clock, and I was driving my county vehicle, so it had the seal on it, and so the kids working at the Taco Bell were asking me questions about what I did. And then they finally came to the point. So you make the call on snow days. And I said, yes. So then they were sticking their hands out there. It was about 75 degrees and they were lobbying. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So, uh, right. so we have to do more than we have to do more than stick our hand out the window. But uh, I usually, uh, of course, the biggest thing is, is can we run the buses? And, you know, sure. um, you know, when you get out in Bethpage and Westmoreland and Portland, you know, uh, the, the southern part of the county refers to. White House, Portland, Westmoreland is the uh, snow belt uh, right. because the best chance right. for a snow day is, is comes from the northern part of the county. But uh, we consult uh, Ken Widener and Summer County Emergency Management. They're usually out about 3 or 4 a.m. You know, the buses fire up about 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So we, um, what we do try to do, Dr. Phillips did this and I plan on doing is we try to make a call the day before, like, the, you know, at least the night before. So sure. parents have time to arrange child care. Sometimes that causes us to miss, but it's better. Well, to, sure, sure. You know, but but so yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, my transportation director and his team get out and ride the roads to see if we can get buses out, and then uh, we talk to emergency management, Mr. Widener, and then the bigger thing is, is you know, other than the buses, the second big thing is we have a lot of 16, 17 year olds driving. Absolutely, um, yeah. And if no you experience. on a good on a good day, uh, that's miraculous. Uh, mm-hmm. that they all make it to school without bumping into each other. Uh, right. As, as a high school principal, the most dangerous day on every campus is 3.15 when everybody backs out at the same time without looking. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, that's the, that's kind of the process of a snow day. We also talk to other area superintendents and kind of see where they are too. Yeah, and it makes sense. And, you know, like you said, you're talk, we're, we talk about the ridge and below the ridge, above the ridge. Uh, weather is affected a lot by that ridge. Uh, mm-hmm. Either it comes in and uh, a front can hit the ridge and go north, hit it and go south. We never know. And like you said, they're going to miss. And I think, th- and I'm, uh, what little do I know about the weather, I think our area is probably one of the most difficult to forecast mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. we get so much influence from the Gulf, so much from up north. And we're kind of in a meeting point a lot of times with these winter storms. It's it's really mm-hmm. near impossible. All right. So the number two question on everyone's mind is, will kids ever learn to write in cursive again? 
that actually, you know, went out of vogue for a while. Uh, we teach cursive now. I, I think mm-hmm. the problem is I think kids, I think kids learn cursive, but mm-hmm. I think as, as I hear this from adults, I, I asked a group one time, other than signing a check, how often do any of us actually write in cursive? Mm-hmm. And um, I got to say, I don't write in cursive very much. Right. Um, hey, right. So I think I it's agree. something that we lose. I mean, I wish we could recover it because, you know, there's a lot of research that shows writing letters and things like that is, is hugely important. So we teach sure. it in second, we teach it in second grade to kids. But now once we get beyond second grade, I don't know uh, into our teenage and adult years, how much we, we right. use it anymore. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the things you see all the time on social media, uh, people talking about that. Mm-hmm. So I said, Hey, I got to ask, I didn't even know yeah. it was still yeah. in the curriculum and, and that's mm-hmm. great. I think, and I'm with you. I think it, it probably gets dropped as they get older. Um, I know my son had to figure out how to sign his name in cursive. I mean, he mm-hmm. had to work through yeah. that and he had me sit down and draw well, it out for him. So, well, increasingly, if that, you know, if I, if I had my daughters here and they're in their twenties and I said, uh, do you sign a check? They would say, dad, what's a check? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the times they are a changing, they are a changing. Scott, thank you so much for your time. This has been great information. Uh, you just seem like such a nice guy and the right guy for the position. I really enjoyed talking to you. And um, if people need to get in touch with you for any reason or or to get in touch with uh, the Sumner County Schools, what's the best way to reach out? Probably the best way is just to email me. And now I'm a middle name person. So my email address is robert.langford at sumnerschools.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone number, you can c- contact my secretary at 615-451-5200, uh, Renee Spindler. Uh, okay. But email is probably the fastest. I, I, I'm on there more than I should be, but uh, I, try to, Understand. I try to respond. I try to respond pretty quickly. I knew we had something in common. It's the middle name thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my mother calls both of us by our middle name. We mm-hmm. never did get the uh, first name yeah. thing. And my, my, dad my was Charles. Everybody one. was Charles. And then she uniquely gave us middle names. So that's the way mm-hmm. it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Scott, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. And uh, anytime yes, there's new new things going on with the schools, reach out to us. We'd love to have okay. you back and discuss uh, everything going on because I think it's to everyone in, in the county, in the area, this is a big interest. They want to know what's going on with the schools and the kids, whether they still have kids there or not. I think it's something of, mm-hmm. of interest. And thanks so much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. This was the Portland Morning Brew with Troy Holden. If you'd like to be a guest, reach out to the Portland Chamber of Commerce. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Be sure and visit the Chamber's Facebook page for more information. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon.